Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us faith to receive your word, understanding to know what it means, and the will to put it into practice. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It was Martin Luther who said, uh, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Now, I don't know what you're thinking as you hear that quote. Uh, maybe you hear that quote and you, you feel a, a bit of a, a pang of guilt, maybe. You're here this morning and uh, you're a Christian, but you don't really pray. Uh, you couldn't say with honesty that you're satisfied with your prayer life or that you pray regularly. Uh, we did a survey of our church last year asking about prayer lives. And while there were some keen prayers in our church, it revealed that over half the people surveyed were unsatisfied with their prayer lives. And over half the people didn't pray every day. Think about your prayer life for the past 12 months. Have you become more satisfied with it? Have you grown in your devotion to prayer over the last 12 months? Now, November is our month of prayer. It's not that we don't pray at other times. Uh, but this month, we just want to take time to, to reflect and focus and become more faithful in prayer. And so to answer this question of how to pray, how can we become more faithful in prayer we're going to turn to Jesus, our model prayer, who teaches us about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching the crowds what the life of someone who is a member of God's kingdom looks like. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And he addresses this really important question of how to pray. So please have your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 6. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what Jesus teaches here, it's helpful to realise one very important fact. Jesus has to teach his followers how to pray. It's not assumed knowledge. I think for many of us, how to pray is something that we assume, that we know how to do, that everyone knows how to do. Uh, it's a bit like in Kananara when you know, locals talk about the diamond dig. You know, if you've been around long enough, you know what the diamond dig is. But if you're new to town and you're visiting, you've probably got no idea what the diamond dig is. I'm getting a few nods saying that, yep, that, that they agree. Well, just to, let, just to let you in on the secret of what the diamond dig is, uh, during the muster in May, uh, when it's on, uh, they tip a whole bucket of full of sand or truckloads of sand into a local park and they hide paddle pop sticks in the sand and it's a big treasure hunt. And you've got to find the paddle pop stick, and the paddle pop stick represents a prize. It can be anything from a dollar bubbles that you buy from the cheap shop uh, to a pink diamond from uh, the local pink diamond shop. It's chaos. It's pandemonium. It's, it's great fun. But that is what the diamond dig is. When it comes to prayer, we can be a bit like the diamond dig. We, we assume people know what it's all about, but actually, we need to be told, we need to be taught. And so Jesus doesn't assume, he teaches. And so here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us what not to do, what to do, and how we ought to pray as a follower of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says about how to pray is, when you pray, 
don't be a hypocrite. Verses 5 and 6. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. The religious leaders, they loved the attention they received when they publicly prayed. It may have been that they had set times to pray and they made sure that at those times where they were due to pray that they were in a shop or in a street corner so that they could be seen by everyone. Whatever their practice, they were praying to be seen by others. To have others think of them as more holy, as more religious, as more pious, as closer to God than other people. They were grandstanding, they were seeking an audience. In the Instagram world, they would have been wanting followers of their prayers. And see what Jesus says there? Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Their reward is that they are seen and noticed by people. God, though, not impressed. God knows our hearts. He knows our motivations. He knows why we pray. And Jesus knew that there were people praying, not because God is sovereign and because God can answer prayer, but because they liked the pat on the back that they received, the gushing looks of the onlookers, now, the world of the first century is far from ours, but it, it is still possible to pray hypocritically. How might we do that? Well, if we find ourselves only praying at church or at Bible study, but not through the week, if we're, we're praying just to make it look like we're doing the right thing, to make ourselves look spiritual, to get the nod of the approval of the people around us, in today's climate, you're not very likely to go and stand on a street corner and pray. But in Christian circles, we can love looking like the devoted Christian. And what is more devoted than praying? Another way we can be hypocritical is that we can start to use language that is designed to draw the attention to ourself. You know, using big technical language like Trinity or vicarious substitution so that people can stand in awe of our grasp of theology. Or when your prayers include the latest buzzwords so you can sound spiritual to those who are listening. That's hypocritical. Lastly, and I think this is by far the worst, by saying that you'll pray for someone or a situation and then not doing it. That's hypocritical. You're not even praying but you're using your promise of prayer to draw attention to yourself. Well, if you pray like that, Jesus says you've received your reward in full. But God is not impressed. Instead, Jesus says in verse 6, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Instead of praying so other people will look at you, Pray to your heavenly Father in secret. Uh, maybe you've seen the movie War Room. In that movie, the main character literally has a spot in their walk-in robe where they pray. Uh, there are stories of faithful saints who have a chair in the shed or a room in the house where they go and pray. 
Uh, Beck told me the other week of a, a mum who would hide under a blanket so that her kids would not disturb her while she prayed. Now, while it's true we can pray anywhere at any time, our location can help us to be uh, disciplined and focused in prayer. Our location can help us not to seek the approval of people, but of God. Praying in a place where only God sees keeps our egos in check, reminds us that only God is listening. Now, Jesus is not saying here that there is no place for praying in church or praying in Bible study or praying for each other. Rather, he's just saying that when we pray, we're not to be doing it for the approval of people. We are actually speaking to God. We're speaking to our Father who is unseen, Jesus says. When we pray, we are not praying to the ether. We're not praying like they did in Athens in the first century to an unknown God. We're not looking up into the sky and kind of just hoping that someone or something out there will hear our prayers. We're not wishing upon a star. We are communicating directly with the God of the universe, a God who is unseen, but a God who has revealed himself through his living word in the scriptures, and through his living word in his son, Jesus. And when we place our faith in Jesus, we are adopted into his family. We are his children. The God of the universe is our heavenly father. And so we pray to our father in heaven. And Jesus later will go on to tell us who longs to give us good gifts, who will answer prayer. We have a direct line. Do you know when you call an organization and if you don't have the direct number of the person you want to talk to, it can be really frustrating, can't it? You talk to someone and uh, they say, okay, please hold. And then they finally put you through and then maybe that person answers, maybe that person doesn't. It's a little bit frustrating. But if you've got the person's mobile number, you can call them directly. Well, that's us with prayer. We don't have to have our prayers mediated by another person, by a minister or by a dead saint, but our prayers are mediated by Jesus Christ himself and they go straight to the very throne room of God. See, Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sin, to bring us into a relationship with God, to give us access to the very throne room of the God of the universe. How amazing is that? And so we can talk directly to the Father. We have a direct line. And so when we pray in secret to our Heavenly Father, we know He's listening. And prayer is us talking to God. You know, to, to listen to God, we open up His Spirit-breathed Word in the Bible and we read it. But to talk to God, we pray. And because God sees what is done in secret, we can pray secretly. And hear what Jesus says, Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Not being rewarded by people and their attention, but being rewarded by God and his attention. He hears our prayers. How much better to be rewarded by the God of the universe than some sinful human being? So when you pray... Don't be a hypocrite. 
But also, when you pray, and this is the next thing Jesus says about prayer, don't babble. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus here is saying that the pagans, pagans is just a word for our people who don't know God, and they think that by the length of their prayers, by the, the use of their language, that somehow God is more likely to hear them. Thinking that maybe the length or wordiness of their prayers, that they can convince God to do what they want. They babble, Jesus says. And the image that comes to my mind is the babble of a baby. Uh, it can be constant, it's definitely cute, but it's also kind of meaningless. It doesn't actually communicate anything. Well, the pagans are babbling before God. But God is not like a frequent flyer program where if you get enough points, you, can get a, you choose a reward, or if you, you say enough words, you get what you want. Now, God is the God of the universe. God is our heavenly Father. We can't manipulate him. We can't nag him like my kids nag me when they really want something and hope that they'll wear me down. I have to say, sometimes I do give in when they do that. But God is not like that. God is God. And when we pray to him, we're trusting ourselves to him. We're trusting that he will do his will, that he will answer the prayers in the way that he desires. See, that, that's what prayer is. It's us expressing our dependence on God. It's an act of faith. By its very nature, it's saying, God, I am dependent on you. I am reliant on you. It's a good gift to us from God through Christ. And it means that the lengthy prayer, the, the babbling prayer, is not very effective. Look at the Lord's Prayer. It's quite short. We just read it out in the Bible reading we had before. So instead of babbling, Jesus says in verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Instead, we are to know, as we pray, that God knows us. God knows our needs. Whether we pray a lengthy prayer or a short prayer, God knows. Now, some people will read this and think, well, in that case, I don't need to pray because God knows what I need. But that is to miss the point. Jesus here is teaching his disciples how to pray. And one of the key things of knowing how to pray is actually knowing that God knows, knowing us knowing that God knows what we need before we pray it. Uh, we as a church have been uh, praying for close to two years now that God would raise up someone to come and join the ministry team in Kananara, an assistant minister or youth or children's worker. God hasn't provided that person yet. We trust that in his timing, God will answer that prayer in the way that he chooses. But we pray knowing that God knows our needs. He knows what this church needs. In the same way, when we pray personally, God knows what we need. He knows our situation. 
Prayer expresses our dependence on God, and God knows our needs, and God answers prayer. And so we should pray. God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to work through prayer, to work through us as we pray to him. So we should pray. We pray not to manipulate God, but express our trust in his goodness, knowing that he answers prayer. Now, it's worth taking a step back at this moment and just to notice something. How to pray so far has more to do with knowing God than what words we use. Pray in secret, knowing that God sees you. Pray without babbling, knowing that God knows what you need. The key to knowing how to pray is actually knowing our God and his goodness. See, knowing what our God is like will help us pray. It's like when you work with a boss. Each boss that you have is different. Each boss has different expectations. And when you learn what your boss is like, and you learn those expectations, well, you learn how to do the work that your boss expects you to do. Well, with God, when we know him, when we know what he is really like, we will know how to pray. And we will trust God enough to pray in secret. We will trust God enough not to babble. And so what words should we use? How do we make sure that we're not babbling? Well, you can use normal language when talking to God. You don't have to suddenly start speaking in thousand and arts. It doesn't have to be a flourishing poem with every word rich with meaning. But the intent is that we use our words to talk to our Heavenly Father, to express our dependence on Him. We're not trying to manipulate God, not trying to make God do what we want, but acknowledging that He is the God of the universe that we're talking to. Uh, one of the ways that we can pray and use words is actually use the words that he has given us in the Bible. Uh, there's lots of great prayers in the Bible. Like in Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul prays for the Philippians. There are some fant- fantastic words there that we can use to pray. Or take the Psalms. The Psalms is a book of prayers. We can use those words to pray. Whatever words you use when you pray, don't be a hypocrite. Don't babble. And Jesus continues. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And he gives us a form of prayer we can use, the Lord's Prayer. And we're not going to drill down and explore the Lord's Prayer in a huge amount of detail today. But I do want to highlight a few things. When we pray, we pray to our Heavenly Father. We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Prayer is Trinitarian in nature. Prayer is us talking to God. The second thing is that our prayers should not just be about ourselves, but have a kingdom focus. As citizens of God's kingdom, with Jesus as king, we should be concerned about God and his glory in the world. 
hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we should pray outward-focused prayers, kingdom-focused prayers. It's right to pray that people will honour Jesus as king of God's kingdom. To pray for the various ministries that are happening at church. To pray for our missionaries. If you have a look at Paul's prayer again, and the one in Philippians chapter 1 I'm using as an example, that's what we see Paul do. He's looking outwards. He's thanking God for the Philippians, for their partnership in the gospel, that the gospel continues to go out. But also, it's okay to pray things for yourself. But notice here in the Lord's Prayer that the prayers about us are prayers that express our dependence upon God, such as praying for our daily bread, prayers to help us to live in his kingdom, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Now there's lots more that could be said about the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we may do that another time. But what is, what is some practical wisdom as we seek to pray? What, what are some further tips? We need to be intentional. We need to plan to be devoted to prayer. Uh, we can take wisdom from business literature here. If you don't plan to succeed, you plan to fail. Or if you don't plan to pray, you probably won't. Uh, in the same survey that I mentioned we did earlier, uh, the two biggest obstacles to people praying were the busyness of life and distractions. I don't imagine that's changed in the last 12 months. We are busy people. There's lots of distractions. But we don't ever make a decision, I don't think, to go, oh, I'm going to let the busyness of life and distractions stop me from praying. We kind of just let it happen. But we actually have to make a very intentional decision if we want to put prayer back on the agenda. We have to decide to pray. We have to be intentional about deciding to pray. And so from this moment, I want you to make a decision. Be someone who decides to pray. Be a prayer. Decide to be the person who is going to set, carve out time. And I use the word carve out intentionally. You actually have to carve out time if you want to be someone who prays regularly in a disciplined way. You have to make it a priority in your day. Because the distractions and the busyness of life aren't suddenly going to go, oh, you've decided to pray, so I'm not going to, just, I'm not going to be so busy, I'm not going to distract you so much. Now you actually have to carve out time to spend time talking to God in prayer. Decide to be the person who comes along to church prayer meetings because prayer is a priority. Decide to be the person who comes along at 9 o'clock on a Sunday. Each Sunday at 9 o'clock, a few of us gather to pray before church. Come and join us. Carve out time for prayer. Decide to be a prayer. The next thing, a piece of practical wisdom about being intentional is don't set the bar too high to start with. 
don't go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be a prayer and I'm going to be like Robert McChaney, who was a, a pastor uh, a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, he spent hours of his day in prayer. If you, if you do that and you're not used to praying, you'll probably fail. But if you start to say, I'm going to carve out 10 minutes in my day to pray. You might even want to set a timer and go, okay, this, I'm setting aside this 10 minutes I'm not going to let my phone distract me. I'm just going to set the timer for 10 minutes and I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. You might find that really hard at first. But as you keep doing it, as you keep praying, it'll get easier. And then maybe once you're regularly praying 10 minutes, you can extend it. You can go, okay, well, I'm going to pray for 11 or 12 or 15 minutes. But to be intentional in prayer for even 10 minutes... You have to plan what you're going to pray for. You're going to have to collate prayer points. So you're not kind of just sitting there going, oh, what can I pray for? Who should I pray for? Oh, I don't know. If you've got something lined up, ready to go, you'll know what to pray for. You can use a prayer journal and just jot down maybe different people that you want to pray for. Maybe you can have a list of uh, you know, people that you can pray for at church or at work or your family. Uh, maybe there's different ministries that you can pray for or uh, different missionary organizations or people. I use an app called PrayerMate, which helps me organize all the people that I'm going to pray for. Uh, it's a free app. I recommend downloading it. And I just put all those names and ministries and people into lists and it just it brings up people each day and I just go, I just flick through. I pray for that person and flick to the next one. I uh, highly recommend it. Plan your prayer points. Uh, you might want to finish that prayer time with, by praying the Lord's Prayer. The next thing about being intentional in prayer is doing it even when you don't feel like it. Prayer takes discipline. You can pray when you're feeling grumpy. You can pray when you're feeling angry. You can pray when you don't feel like it. You don't need to be in the right frame of mind to pray. In fact, if you're feeling grumpy or anxious or mad... You know, just set the timer and talk to God about how you're feeling. That's what the psalmist does. And also, don't expect that after each prayer time that you have, that you're going to have this emotional high, or that your day is just going to run like clockwork, or that you should feel calm and relaxed. You know, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he actually describes prayer as a wrestle, as a struggle. It's not, it's not something that is necessarily easy. We live in a world of sin and we ourselves are sinful and so we need to be realistic. The last thing that can help us to be intentional is to find a good model. Find a godly saint who loves praying and just seek to copy them. You know, read Robert McChaney's autobiography. That's, that's inspiring stuff. Read through the Gospels and just notice how many times Jesus goes aside to pray. It's quite a number. We can all be faithful prayers. We can all be more satisfied with our prayer lives. We just need to remember, we need to remember who we are praying to. The God of the universe. The God who knows what we do in secret. The God who knows what we need before we ask him. The God who answers prayer. 
Uh, so let's pray as Jesus taught us. Let's, let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.